Welcome sentient beings from all known universes and beyond. It's time to activate your cranial downlinks and prepare to receive a raft of discussion on a cosmic ocean of science fiction and fantasy topics, interviews with local area genre devotees, and insightful prognostication by our soothsayers of science fiction, our forecasters of fantasy, and any other beings that happen to get caught in our gravity well. This is the Galactic Driftwood Podcast. Hello and welcome to this episode of the Galactic Driftwood Podcast. I'm Bill. I'm Linda. I'm Charles. And I'm Chris. And we have a, a friend of the show back on with us today, um, Stu Burns, who's uh, our paranormal folklore expert, vampire <laughs> folklore. How would you describe yourself, Stu? I'll let you. Uh... Well, I all my training was in history. Okay. But the further on I've got, the more I find myself identified as a folklorist. So I, I kind of roll with that. My specialty is vampires, but like everything else that that kind of bleeds into everything into lots it. of other stuff all right so we uh we thought we'd get Stu on uh this show to talk about some of the paranormal stories um in this region uh, perhaps nebraska maybe a little bit of iowa um and uh, just see what kind of uh paranormal things are going on since we are after all in the month of october so, Stu, I'll let you roll with it. Where, where do you think we should start here? What? Oh, that's a that, that well, that, that that's a darn good question. Um, yeah. There, there's just a there's a lot going on there, depending on what what your appetites are. Um, I went on a tour. A, I haven't really been on a ghost tour of Omaha, believe it or not, and I'm certainly not prepared to conduct them. I went on a ghost tour of Lincoln a few years ago, and people have always asked me, you know, Stu, have you ever been really freaked out by one by one of these things?" and that was the only time I've ever been really freaked out. And I'll, I'll tell you why. Um, okay. The first stop on the, on the tour was the penitentiary um, cemetery where there are a lot of unmarked graves and obviously people who have died in very horrific circumstances. Sure. And so they say, yes, this is obviously haunted and spirits and things are seen here at night. And that's, well, it's too bad. You know, it's, 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 sort of, it's one of those sad, I mean, the, the, I think the best ghost stories always have that, that twinge of, of sadness there. There's a melancholy. Sure happening but so then as we drive away from the, the penitentiary that the bus takes this left turn into this residential area and i'm like boy is, this is where i lived when i was a little boy my family my dad you know lived here out of college and you know we would wait here from here when i was four and then as the as the bus um proceeded through the residential neighborhood the fellow kept talking about ghost stories and this and that in general and we turned on to a, a street that I recognized as my home, as my street that I lived on when I was a little boy. I'm like, well, this is interesting. We're going to go through this area. And then he pulls up to a house that I recognized as my house from when I was four years old. And oh, you're kidding me. Decides to stop in front of my house that I lived in when I was four years old. And <clears throat> so I was telling to tell a ghost story. And I was like, well, <laughs> this is interesting. Yes. And he wouldn't identify the house. That was the funny part. He didn't say which house it was. He said, mm-hmm. there's a house around here. We won't, I won't point it out because we don't have the owner's permission. I'm like, but we're sitting right in front of my house on <laughs> Tipperary Trail in Lincoln, Nebraska, uh-huh. which is not a Gothic neighborhood at all. It was, I mean, th- these were houses that were built right around the time I was born. You know, these yeah. were, you know, they were, well, but, was I this a, 
Was this a story you were familiar with or not, not at all? And in fact, okay. the, the story itself was frankly boring. It was one oh. of those like, you know, doors open and close and blah, oh, okay. blah. it's just something that someone had told him that he found, that he found scary. But yes, if you <laughs> want to talk about something eerie, I, I was not expecting to be sat down in front of my old house. <laughs> That's funny. Interesting. Well, now, um, I found uh, one thing of interest is that uh, the state capitol here in Nebraska is haunted. Now, what do you know about that? Well, the the I think ghosts tend to, at least in our in our popular imagination. I mean, I, I'll admit in my heart of hearts, I'm I'm a skeptic. I can I can play a believer on TV if I, if I need to, I suppose. But ghosts, according to you know, people who are aficionados, tend to attach themselves to places that that have a great meaning to them. And so you have a place like the Capitol where there's, there have obviously been things that affect a lot of people's lives and it's natural for spirits or for personages to attach themselves to a place like that or, or to be imagined to, honestly. You know, sure. I, I, I think those things tend to, tend to go hand in hand, really. Um, you see, you're, you're okay, that, that, that's, the, is that the, that, that's, that's the old Senate chamber you're showing there, I believe. I don't think that's the current Unicam chamber. I could be wrong. Uh, no, no, that's, that's the current. That's the current. That's right. Uh, the, the best ghost story that I know of is there were some people working on, on the dome at the top of the, of the Capitol. Right. And I think they were actually prisoners and, and one of them fell to his death. Yeah. Anyway. That's, that's what I'm seeing here. It said, um, locals will often talk about, uh, the Christmas lights that once hung from the tower, um, of the state Capitol and how, the city would charge the dangerous task of hanging them to prisoners mm -hmm. uh, looking to nice. shorten their sentences. Mm -hmm. And reportedly one such prisoner panicked while stringing the lights, uh, suffered a heart attack and eventually fell to his death. And some people uh, at the Capitol when they're there say that they can still uh, occasionally hear him sobbing and screaming uh, in the area. Oh, I believe it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the, the, of course, the natural, the naturalist in me says, if you've ever been to the Capitol, the acoustics in there are such that you'll hear the darkest things. Right. The sound tends to, tends to bounce around in there. Um, and what was I going to say? Yeah, they, they did some interesting things with prisoners back in those days, by the way. Um, as we're now, the pandemic that we're hopefully emerging from now um, has brought the flu of 19, 18, 19, 19 to a lot of people's minds. Sure. And at one point they had a program where they wanted to study the progress of the flu. And so they had some prisoners. They said, hey, you know, the same deal. You'll short your sentence if you go into a flu ward, let these people cough on you. Oh, God. And give you the flu and we'll observe you. Oh, geez. Here's, <laughs> here's where the weirdness of the 1918, of the 1919 flu comes in. Of all these volunteer prisoners, of which there were many, not one of them managed to contract the flu. Wow. That vi viruses are weird. I don't care who you are. I don't care what viruses are flat out weird. They're just the darndest. Maybe none of the viruses wanted to go to prison. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's it. <laughs> you get some rough stuff in prison there, I tell you. Yeah, you, you do. You do. Uh, well, now, uh, I'm guessing, if I had to guess, I would guess that you have been to the Velisca X murder house, which is located in Iowa, not too far from Omaha here, Velisca, Iowa. A couple uh, of times. 
couple of times. Now, have you ever experienced anything strange there? And maybe you could tell us a little bit of the story of Velisca if you happen to know oh, it otherwise. Yeah, sure, you yeah. will. Yeah, I mean, not to tell tales out of school, but Bill probably knows the story better than I do. But <laughs> it, the, but the, and my, my experience of the place is, is a little different because the first time I went there was in 94. Uh, when uh, Darwin Lynn had run a museum in Villisca for years, just a you know, just a general, here's the old stuff type of museum, nothing macabre or really sure. to, the, to the ex-murder at all. And yes, yeah, he didn't have that sign out in front of him when he reopened it, but he bought the house with the intention of doing what ended up being done with it. And um, it was covered by these, by these green slate shingles. And he figured, well, I'm going to have to redo this, redo everything here. He pulled off the green slate and exactly, Linda, what, we, what you were just showing, mm -hmm. uh, the, the, the white siding was right there underneath. Huh. It hadn't been touched. Somebody wanted to cover up that house and make it look different. Oh, so, wow. Yeah, yeah, so that, that siding you're seeing is, is pure. <laughs> it's, that, that's 1912 siding. Yeah, that he, I mean, he had, he's, there's been some maintenance done to it, but that's, that, that's 1912 siding. Huh. But when, when, we, when we went out there in 94 for the first time, he really, it, it's interesting how this develops in people's imaginations and how people construct their reality. He really wasn't talking about ghosts at all. He was talking about a really much more of a true crime oriented attraction there. And he took us through the house and gave us all the details. And, but then by the time I went back in 2014, um, yeah, they were, they were in full ghost story swing at that point. Um, yeah, this is the weirdest thing I've had happen, happen there was, um, we were going on a tour and I, I've heard for so many years how a parent's love for their child just cannot be expressed. It's just the, the deepest desire to protect and to nurture that, 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 one can, that one can imagine. And we had a family group going in before us and the mom got so scared she grabbed her 11 year old child and threw the child in front of her. Oh, <laughs> yikes. So that, yeah, that, that that apparently there are limits to this love that a parent may have for the child. Right. <laughs> she was ready to throw it to the supernatural right then and there. But uh, yeah, but to, to give to give details, and I'm probably I'm going to mess up the details because I'm not reading them off. But Josiah Moore uh, worked for um, a local merchant named F.F. F. Jones. You know, big man in, in the community, a state senator, the whole bit. And for years, he was his assistant, helped run his agricultural implement store. And then the John Deere company uh, came to F.F. Jones and said, we'd like you to start selling John Deere. And Jones says, don't want to do it. I'm, I'm, I'm good where I'm at. Here's Josiah Moore said, I'd love to. That sounds great. And so he, so he had got his own dealership and caused a little bit of bad blood between, between he and Jones. And a couple of years later, they were coming, there was a church program in, in town and a couple of kids who lived, you know, a little ways out of town were staying, you know, came in for the church program and the Moors said, well, they can just stay at our house tonight and then in the morning you come pick them up. <clears throat> or or we'll, we'll, excuse me, we'll run back out, we'll run back out to your house. Yeah. So they, you know, went to the church. Yeah, I, I keep sounding, I sound like Alice's restaurant when I say this. Went to the church, I came home, had a dinner that couldn't be beaten, went to sleep and didn't get up until the next morning. But then, unfortunately, didn't get up the next morning. Um, the mm. neighbors, nine in the morning, look out their window and say, the animals haven't been fed. There's, all the chores aren't done. We haven't seen these people yet. What's going on? 
And so they rang Josiah Moore's brother and said, there might be something wrong at the house. We haven't seen anybody all day and mammals haven't been fed. So he goes up, unlocks the house and comes in and finds that Josiah Moore, uh, his wife, uh, the four sons, and the two little girls who were staying with them had all been murdered. Mm. With an axe. With an axe. Um, more, more had been... And I wonder now if... Well, I, I, I'll, I'll draw a cause and effect later, but more had been killed you know, with the sharp end of the axe into in the skull, but the other seven had been bludgeoned with, with, the, with the blunt end. Mm. Um, a couple things about it. I'll, I'll, I'll tell the... the yeah, the, 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 there's... This is by far the, the saddest part of the story for me was the little girl's mother is, you know, is also waiting like, where is the, oh yeah, that, yeah, the, the, those are the old slate shingles. Huh. Yeah. Yeah. The, the, the lens pulled up. Those are the, that was what's on the house before, before Mr. Lynn bought it. They, um, the, the mom of these two girls is, are waiting. She is waiting for the, you know, for the Morse to bring them back out and she's waiting and she's waiting and they don't come. And so she, finally she, calls the operator and says, ring the house. And the operator, because yeah, that's all calls in those days were operator-assisted calls. You didn't call directly, you call the operator and they took you up. <laughs> and the operator said, oh, I can't ring that house. They've all been killed. Oh. That's, that's how the mother heard that her daughters. Yikes. Oh, that'd be a terrible way to find out. Horrible. Absolutely. I can't imagine anything worse. Now I was... Yeah. Looking at the, uh, <clears throat> there's a, you can find online, um, there's a, a website called iowacoldcases.org <clears throat> where you can go get, you know, all the details of this. And <clears throat> it says, um, the killer added two bizarre touches to the murder scene. The first was a four pound piece of slab bacon leaning against the wall next to the axe. What? Yeah. <laughs> The murderer also had searched dresser drawers for pieces of clothing to cover the mirrors in the house and the glass in the entry doors. On the kitchen table was a plate of uneaten food and a bowl of bloody water. Oh, all the victims were found in their beds, their heads covered with bed claws, and all had their skulls battered 20 to 30 times each with the blunt end of the axe. Yikes. Uh, the ceiling in the parents' bedroom and the children's room upstairs showed gouge marks apparently made by the upswing of the axe. <clears throat> uh, let's see. Uh, Stella Stillinger's nightgown had been pushed up and she'd been left exposed. Doctors concluded she had not been sexually abused. Um, she also had a blood stain on her knee and an alleged defensive wound on her arm. So she must have probably woken up during the attack. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, that was uh, and all this happened June 12th, 1912. So I think um, I was actually spent the night there because now you can pay to spend the night there. Right. And um, it comes out to like. $66.60 per person. Try to get that 666 in there, I think. <laughs> right? Nice. Um, <clears throat> yeah. And then you can spend the night in the uh, Velisca Axe Murder House. So we, I think I was there in 2012 because it was uh, the 100th anniversary of the murders. Um, the murders happened on June 12th. I was actually there. 
it was the weekend right after Halloween. So, um, first weekend of November. Um, and it was, uh, it was a little chilly that night and they've got, uh, uh, there's really no heat or air conditioning in the house. They do have like a window unit. Um, there's stairs that go up to the second floor. There's a landing midway with a window there. And they've put in a, a little uh, unit there that can either uh, put out heat or air conditioning. And uh, there's a cord that's attached to it that runs out to a shed where they actually have electrical power because there's no electricity in the house. So when you're in the house... Um, it's, you know, as long as you've got daylight outside, you've got light. But once the sun sets, unless you have lanterns or something, you don't see any, you're just in pitch blackness, which, you know, adds to the creepiness of it. They've also uh, changed the furniture there in the house so that the furniture uh, more closely resembles the type of furniture that um, you would have seen in the 1800s when the house was actually occupied, including the kitchen and stuff and the beds and the bedrooms, dressers and all that kind of stuff. Um, so, you know, the, the 1800s furniture coupled with the fact that there's no electricity um, and the necessary um, use of lanterns to, to walk around at night all lends to the creepy air of the place when you're there spending the night. And then, of course, they um, give you the, the full details of the story and the murder that happened and where each person was laying and how they were found and where they believe the murderer was hiding out in the house. Yeah. So there's the, uh, the, the kitchen, um, of the house. And, uh, of course it's, it's all wood floors and, um, you know, they talk about, they've got, um, some toys in there that you can, um, try to use, because supposedly if you use the toys in there, the, the children that were murdered might come out and play with them or whatever. And so they've got some balls in there that you can roll across the floor. And then they say, you know, the balls just won't roll straight. Well, of course they won't roll straight because the house was built in the early 1800s. It's wood, it's settled and the floors, the wood floor is not level. So you push the ball, it's naturally going to go all over the place, which it does. Um, so, but uh, it was an interesting night. I was there with, um, uh, let's see, one, two, three, uh, four other people besides myself. And uh, one of the guys like myself is uh, more of the atheist persuasion. Um, <clears throat> and uh, so he actually called and invited me to go because his his neighbor, who is very religious and buys into the ghost stuff a hundred percent uh has gone before and had all kinds of strange things happen yeah so this is one of the kids bedrooms upstairs and that that door that you see on the right in the picture that linda's posting here uh is a closet uh where supposedly if you can sit there and you talk to the kids that they'll open and close that closet door um, but if you um, open that closet door and examine inside, you'll see that most of the plaster has come off of the, the, uh, the wall backing and there's cobwebs up there that just kind of flutter in the breeze as the air just kind of flows in and out of the room as the temperature changes throughout the day. And of course that air can easily move that door. Um, mm -hmm. But true believers will see it as being, ghosts moving the door i guess but anyway so he invited me to go along with him because he didn't want to be the only non-believer there um and uh, so i said uh, 
I told him I would go on one condition. I wanted to try um, every horror trope that <laughs> you see in the movies that supposedly unleashes demons, right? So we did the whole, uh, you know, bite the apple in the mirror and say Beelzebub three times. And we had a Ouija board there and uh, <laughs> yeah, everything. And uh, when I brought in the Ouija board, the, the woman that uh, got us, unlocked the house for us and got us in for the night she's like oh i definitely wouldn't do that no 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 that's a bad idea um but we set up the ouija board anyway um set it up on the in the main uh living room of the the room and then i had a video camera and i set the video camera on top looking direct down at the ouija board we put the planchette on there right in the middle and um we uh, offered the ghosts a chance to move it for us. And uh, we, uh, we asked a question if there, if there are any other souls in this room besides those of us, you know, that were standing there, uh, please give us a sign. And, um, you know, we ended up leaving, going away for an hour. We went out to the, the shed that has electricity because they had um, place out there where you could cook food and we brought some coolers with food and pop and so we went out there and sat for I don't know 30 40 minutes or whatever and then came back in to check the planchette and it hadn't moved so much as a millimeter so um so that that didn't seem to work very well and then uh uh my atheist friend and I we sat down at the board and put our hands on it and asked for some sort of guidance and nothing happened either so um, the, the true believers that were there were convinced that it was because of our negative energies that the ghosts were not manifesting <laughs> that night. We, we ruined it for them. Please, please tell me there's video. Yeah. Um, I, I have, I don't think I saved the video of the, uh, uh, of the, uh, monitoring of the, uh, the Ouija board, unfortunately. Um, but I will tell you this, and this is, this is, uh, the only, I would say, the only disturbing thing that happened that night. So I've got this this table. It's a um, one of those tables. You know, it's like a little fold up table you can buy at Lowe's or Home Depot. You know, it's it's made of that composite plastic or whatever, and it's got metal legs, and the metal legs fold out and snap into little plastic holders on the bottom. You know, and um, so I had the table sitting there and. and um, and we'd had this table for several years, normally stored up in the attic here at the house. And so I had it sitting there and I had, uh, I brought in one of these lanterns, you know, the kind that take those big six volt batteries, you know, two of those things you put in the bottom. And uh, cause I didn't want to run out of electricity while we were there. And so we, I'd set the lantern on the table there because we had other lanterns and we were actually went upstairs to the second floor because uh, somebody wanted to try coaxing the kids out of the closet, the kid ghosts. So we're sitting up there and we're doing this. And then all of a sudden we hear this loud bang downstairs. And everybody's eyes get real big, you know, what? Oh my God, what was that? Nobody's downstairs. We're all up here. And how could this be? And so we end up taking the lanterns and walking downstairs and the table with the Ouija board on it completely collapsed onto the floor. 
the lantern had rolled off into a side corner. And so, of course, the the other folks that were there with us like, oh, you've angered the ghost now, you know, this kind of thing. <laughs> and um, well, so I, I took a look at the table. Well, the the little plastic things that hold the legs in place, you know, they're they're brittle plastic. And of course, this is November and now it's down to 30 some degrees. And I put this heavy lantern on there and, and one of them was uh, cracked just enough that that weight and that cold it was just too brittle to expand anymore and it just snapped and the whole table collapsed and um so that's what that's what caused that now this is uh this is the attic of the house and they think that the axe murderer um actually hid out in the attic for a while uh, until mm. the family came home if if i remember that right Stu, is that do you remember that part of it at all that that's one of the that's the main hypothesis yes is that yeah. The, because the young know, house, you know, it was, it, you know, being locked and whatnot is that th there's a very spacious room right next to the parents, parents' bedroom. And that's, yeah. yeah, that, yeah and in fact, I think that's the, um, that's the, that's, that's the room that, that, that you're, that uh, Linda has put up for us yep. right now. The, yep. That's the, that's the, the attic, room. little attic space. Yes. And you come, I, I remember going, going through there and bending the rules. I said, because they, they told us don't go in that attic room because there's nothing at the time, there was nothing reinforcing the floor in there. And you'll, you put your foot right through the, the ceiling. Oh, I see. And I said, yeah, they said, don't go in. They didn't say anything about open the door and look around. <laughs> <laughs> looking around like, yeah, he, he, he could have done that. Um, that's, that's, that, that's certainly a possibility. Yeah. Um, when you open up the, the whodunit angle of the Velisca killings, uh, the only person, tr you know, F.F. Jones, they did bring charges against him. You know, the, mm. the fellow who Moore had worked for previously. And they, they really didn't have anything going for him that, and that, that 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 prosecution didn't go anywhere um there was a preacher in town it's one of these mendicant guys who'd go around and you know stand on the street corners and do his and do his thing and he actually confessed at one point but he was later determined that that guy was not not mentally well mm. and so he's so he, he has his 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 um testimony has has been discounted he was he would have confessed to anything. Of course, this is 1912, where they still had, you know, any number of police interrogation tactics that you sure. we wouldn't see today. Yeah. Um, there's an author. Has anybody in this group ever read anything by Bill James? No. No. You know who he is? Bill James is the great pioneer of advanced study in baseball. Um, you know, when when baseball fan, baseball fans are the biggest geeks of any sports fans. Um. When you see these crazy statistics that get trotted out that you've never heard of before, um, Bill James pioneered the use of, of many, if not most, of those, uh, you know, working through the 70s and 80s. Mm -hmm. And and then in the year 2000, he ended up working for the, for the Boston Red Sox. Uh, a couple of years ago, he and his daughter came out with a book called The Man from the Train. And what they've done is there is a, a guy that they have tracked from Germany. And it seems that everywhere he went, you would see an axe murder. Really? Essentially. And they've, you know, they've kind of, they've, you know, they've correlated his travels to instant, similar instances okay. where types of this type of thing mm -hmm. is happening. Yes. Yes. If, you, if you're familiar with, with Hinterkaifeck in Germany, you know, very scary story about this. This family was you know, living in a kind of an isolated cabin, a little, for, little ways out of town. Yeah. And they knew somebody was there because they would find cups of coffee where they shouldn't be. They would hear noises. 
they would find newspapers that that didn't belong hmm. and they 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 went they would go to town and say there's somebody is hiding in my place i don't know what's going on and then they stopped coming to town huh. and people came, people went out there they saw one set of footprints leading away from the yep yeah that's the book they saw one um set of footprints leading away from hinter kaifek and they found all the family out in the barn um out, out in the barn killed so it was wow and there's n- never been any island there's ever been any supposition as to who did it it was some something reasonably random and yeah yeah the the, the uh the guy the guy in the man from the train the man the james hypothesis is that this is the same fellow who then came to america and there is this real proliferation of axe murders associated with you know being being very close to rail yards huh or very okay railroad lines you know it's all over the country it's in colorado springs iowa um new orleans huh and, you know really really all over, all over the country so that's their that's their hypothesis and, and it, it, it is intriguing because they're just during this period you see a lot of people killed with axes and not very many before and not very many since interesting so yeah it's um it's it's entirely possible that there's a this fellow wandered wandered the u.s and and europe for a number of years doing this and and essentially got away with it wow huh that would seem to be a horrible way to go i would think oh yeah Oh gosh, yeah. The, the, the only thing that, that, that makes me think this guy may not have been experienced is that that Moore was killed with the sharp end of the of the axe. Yeah. And I think you learn you learn you learn really quickly, hold it. If I try to do that, that axe is gonna stick in this person's body and I'm and it's gonna be a trouble to pry it out. So you learn yeah. pretty quick. You've got to flip this thing over and yeah. I'm, I'm I'm more luck with the with, with the blunt end, but and, and and Bill, you can probably maybe you would speak this more, but when I when you go into the parents' bedroom at the Velisca house, yeah, and you just look at the architecture of the home, and I think this is something that we've really improved on in our society because this, this would be a fire hazard too, obviously. But you realize if that if the murderer is at the top of the stairs, there is no escaping this right. person, right? Because he is facing the the parents are right there, and there's no getting in. Yeah, yeah. There was no there was no. Essentially, there's almost as if there's no room for the parents because it's just you come up the stairs to the second floor and it's just open into this space. And that was their bedroom. And then then there's a little it's almost like a three quarter door that leads into the attic space because you kind of have to duck down to get through. And then just down the hall from that is a door that where the kids bedroom was. Yes, it's so, also, yeah. The, the kids would have had to try to come through this guy to get out. Yeah, yeah. So there would have been no way. There's no way that any any kid could could could, could escape this guy. And of course, you got two little girls in the, in the on the ground floor who, even if they heard this, they'd be just terrified. There's nothing they, they could do. They could and they locked the they locked up for the night. There's no way they could get out unless they tried to go through the window. And the little kids often just won't even try to do that. That's right. I've seen that in fire situations where, where kids just won't won't think to try to break a window. Yeah, mm-hmm. and get out to get out and so yeah there were there even though there were eight people you're like good heavens how can somebody take care of eight people with a with an act you know with, with right uh, with an act about somebody getting away that that house is a death was a death trap yeah there were no getting mm-hmm. away from this guy well i'd have to so if this was a guy that was traveling the trains i assume he was borrowing an axe for each murder yes 
Yeah, probably, probably not bringing in. Although I don't know back in the day if you could bring an axe on the train or not. They 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 were everywhere. Yeah, yeah, you're, you're yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Axes he were, probably were... traveled in a box car. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, I just I am assuming some axes are better than others. He could have just had a bad axe, right? Oh, some axes are better. <laughs> yeah, I was I was thinking on that on the axes, and I had to remember the the time frame that this happened with that that would have been more common. Because I was thinking, like, who wouldn't notice a guy running around with, with an, an axe? axe? Like, how would that not stick out? Then, well, yeah, but you if, know, you, but... if you're in a forested area, like if you were on the coast, I'm assuming those trains were, trains out there would have been full of people with axes. Mm, when it's going to work. That's what you called Monday. Yeah, <laughs> in the 19th, though, like, you know, like, like you said, every house had an axe. You yeah, know, chopping you know, firewood or whatever. Sure. That would have been yeah. way more common. So, yeah, you just grab it on your way into the house and hack away, unfortunately. So yeah, I, I know more about the ax murders in, in New Orleans in 1918, 1919, that were, that were later. And every one of those was, um, what was it? It was an ax that belonged to the household. Not, was not something that, that the ax man would have brought. So, yeah. yeah so, yeah. so essentially modern society and our, you know, gas powered furnaces, have eliminated a lot of the opportunity for axe murderers. <laughs> to be murdered by an axe. Yes. <laughs> and if you did get murdered by an axe, it'd be a lot easier to find said person. <laughs> yes, an right. Item to have on your person. Right. You know? <laughs> right. Yeah. Axes and, and and ice picks because you in the back in the day you would sell you would sell block ice in these blocks sure, yeah. if you had modern refrigeration, and so every mm. every family <laughs> had an ice pick. So you have you have all these old stories of murder incorporated and. So forth using axes and ice picks to kill people. I'm like, wow, they're such gruesome weapons because because every family had these uh, things. Yeah, they, they were available. Out. Right, right. Now, uh, I I was kind of surprised. Uh, so some, fo especially folks that live here in the Omaha area, will be no doubt familiar with the Mystery Manor haunted house downtown. But there's actually um, a ghost story behind that as well. Are you familiar with that, Stu? Or Anyone? Well, I've, re I've read the story, but you know, I every time I try to actually run down the details, yeah, I I think I think they made it up, Bill. Really? I mean, okay. I really do. All right. I mean, you know, people tend to to believe it, but I mean, it's it's one of those like the, the depression happened, and this this one person committed suicide, another person visited the grave and committed suicide on the grave, and <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's just think it's just all. All right. All right. I I think somebody I've never been able to find to really to find a newspaper article or anything related to that to so back that up. So there's uh, Linda's posted a picture up there of Mystery Manor, which is now today a uh, uh, Halloween haunted house, right? So, mm -hmm. huh? Well, that's too bad because that would have been that would have been great fun for the yeah, I know, but yeah. <laughs> and then I I could I. I could be wrong, but every time I I try to go to like to the next level, I just yeah, can't yeah, find typically it. you'd see you'd find something, some kind of yeah. article that kind of points to it or whatever. Right. Yeah. Well, yeah, something like that is, is gonna be in the papers. My goodness gracious. Yeah, I mean, sure. Yeah. All right. Well, Stu, uh, <laughs> what's your what's your next most uh oh something for the for the ro romantics in, in the group? Okay. Remember how I said that. Ghosts, in, in popular imagination anyway, tend to attach themselves to uh, places that they that they loved in life. It's something that they they, they latched onto. It's, yeah, when I went on that tour of of, of the Ghosts of Lincoln, in fact, um, our guide maintained he didn't give any examples, but he maintained that the most haunted place in Lincoln was Memorial Stadium. 
<laughs> really? That is so I, much. I, I think there are some Husker fans that would agree with you right now. <laughs> yeah. It makes sense. No <laughs> doubt. Yeah. And yeah, whenever I do any cemetery preservation or lectures out, out at Potter's Field or something, I always say, please, you know, try to avoid telling ghost stories about this place because they, that tends to bring vandalism. If you want to tell a ghost story, tell about the football stadium because that, that, that can take care of itself. If you try to vandalize that place, you're going to get in the world hurt. But nobody's taking care of this place. Um, but you, but again, you know, okay, back to what I was saying. Um, there is a, there are some charming, and I will say, yes, there's, there are some flat out charming stories of ghosts attached to Brother Sebastian's steakhouse. Ooh, okay. Just one of my huh. favorite places to, to, uh, to take a lady in, in Omaha. Yeah. Absolutely wonderful. Um, there was a fellow. I'll, 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 I'll spare some of the details because it, it gets a little bad, but he loved to go to Brother Sebastian's. Absolutely adored it. You know, for, and if any, anybody who's ever been to Brother Sebastian's can tell you exactly why. You yeah, it's fun. Yeah. yeah. Love, love the place. Love the place. And he, he would go there every week. And as unfortunately, the, as happens to a lot of people, um, this, this poor fellow contracted cancer. Wouldn't let it be him. He just kept Uh-oh. Anyone? Anyone? Hey, and we're back. <laughs> All right. Well, that was weird. Yeah, we just uh, froze for a little bit there. So, all right. Well, I'll have to try to piece it together. So, Brother Sebastian's. So, Brother Sebastian's. Well, have a, a part A and part B. Yeah, yeah. Right. Right. The, the ghost. The ghost interfered with our recording. Right, yes. <laughs> ghosts are. I, I was actually blaming um, the uh, the dogs was my first <laughs> first intuition. No, no. They're, they're just snoozing at my feet here, so they're innocent of yes. this. Winston came in. So much. <laughs> yeah. All right. So, cool. why don't you go back to that other picture you had of Brother Sebastian's? And I think that's where we froze. That's a good. Uh, you think I still have that picture? Hang on. <laughs> <laughs> Control Shift T will open up. Uh... Yeah. Uh, previously closed tabs. What What was the last thing we, we that we, that we said before we? Here we go. Um, friendly ghost after the door was propped open. It was uh, it was right after that. Yeah, that's a that's about the end of it, really. He's it, but he has just he has continued to be there, and there and there there there, 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 there are some great stories right. like that. If you if you go to you know the the people who love places in life, the sure second and still love them in death. There. There was a great story about a theater in London that I just love called the Drury Lane Theater. And that ghost will show up when they get a hit play. When you see that ghost, you know you've got you got a hit on your hands. Huh. <laughs> and and he yeah, and he he's been known to I guess he's been known to help out in production a little bit. People will like feel feel hand like like an actress will be doing something and suddenly they'll feel a, a hand on their arm telling them to do something like that, and the and the crowd will just bust out laughing. Huh. They'll realize this this ghost is a, is initiating some, ge some gesture that they know will connect with the audience. Mm. Interesting. So, so yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, that's 
a lot of ghosts really are, are motivated from from love. I think that's a that's a that's a good way to to uh, to, to to conceive of the situation. So, have you heard any of the the ghost stories around some of the places on UNL campus, like Nyhart, um, yeah. people that maybe have passed away there? That that was one that was one kind of traditional story that gets passed down to a lot of the college students. Like for me, it's been uh, wow, almost almost 20 years since it was last told to me uh, being there. And, uh, uh, you know, what have you heard around that? Yeah. Yeah. Um, Nyhart Hall, um, which that, that's where I lived when I was a freshman. I took, yeah, I took that, okay. you know, helped Jay with a couple of things doing that. The, there was a guy who lived in Nyhart. I think that modern economics has curtailed this somewhat, but there used to be people who we called lifers. Okay. You know, there were individuals who were in college for a very, very long time. Yeah. Uh, I don't think you, you see too much of that. As, as much of that anymore, but, but yeah, Jay had, had, the guy who told me the story had lived in Nyhart Hall for like eight years. And so, <laughs> just, because I think is probably healthy. That's, yeah. But yeah, but, but yeah Ray, Nyhart Hall at UNL is actually, is actually four different buildings. Uh, Raymond, Piper, Love, and Sm not Smith. Raymer, Raymer, Piper, Love, and, 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 and something else. That, mm -hmm. that are all that are all uh, linked link together, and yeah, yeah. What you're seeing there is, is actually Raymond Hall. That's the oldest dormitory extant in the state. And there's a story on on third floor of Raymond Hall about a young woman uh, during a flu epidemic in the 1950s, um, where they would there were so many flu cases on on campus they end up commandeering that floor for for flu for people suffering from flu. And she'd stay in that room. And if you've ever had the flu, it's like you're you're too hot and you're too cold. So they'd say, mm -hmm. open the window. And she'd she say, oh, please shut the window. And open the window. <laughs> please shut the window. And as the story goes, she she passed in that room. Mm. And going forward, on a on a warm day, that window would shut. Oh. Uh, <laughs> if it was far too cold to open the window, that window would open. Mm. And this, mm -hmm. that, went on, that went on for years until they finally got sick of it and made it into a TV lounge. Mm, yes. And so that's, so that, that, so if you ever want to get one, want to go for a place that is surefire haunted, you could go just chill in the TV lounge and in, in in, in, on Raymond 3 at, in Nyhart. Yeah, I believe that, that's how it was uh, pretty much told to me uh, when I had started there. Yep. I wonder what would have happened if somebody would have tried to nail the window shut. That's a good question. Hmm. Yeah, actually, yeah, that's a good question. It, it was kind of, uh, I was thinking about that uh, in terms of haunted places because uh, almost in an eerie uh, fashion, uh, a couple of years ago when this whole pandemic thing started, um, UNL actually was designated Nyhart and a few other places as quarantine places to stick everybody who got sick. And I was like, wow, Again? history is funny like that. You know? <laughs> right. <laughs> Given given what the history of that building is, and then you go back to, <laughs> to making it a designated, um, you know, Sick even word. even certified by uh, the Nebraska Health and Human Services or whatever as a legit place to stick quarantine people. I was like, you guys know the history here, right? <laughs> Couldn't you have found anywhere else? But I, I guess just the way that building is made was uh, was good for it. So well, and and the other thought too, Chris, is that you know if you've already got one building that's haunted. Right. Risking haunting other buildings right. and having Let's to turn other all haunted people in one place here. Right. Keep all your spooks <laughs> in one basket. Yep. 
just a just like American Horror Story. Just you know, hey, put all, all all the ghosts in one house, and everybody's happy. Yeah, 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 yeah. So in thinking about that, I was like, man, that's uh, that that's pretty eerie. And uh, you know, if this thing gets any worse, it's gonna be you know, we're gonna have a, a refreshment of stories for people. You know, 10, 20, 30 years from now, right? If, you know, a whole lot of people ended up dying from that or something. So. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, and you know the way uh, conspiracy theories start—they could happen anyway, Chris. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, they—they yeah, they, they could. You know, a lot of these are based on, uh, you know, a kernel of truth, right? So, right, they can go off and say, "Yeah, it was used to quarantine," you know, people that were sick with COVID. And then that's where oh. it goes off the rails, right? Oh. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, all right, Stu. So, what are some uh, maybe little known? ghost stories for the area that maybe well, people depends, might not be familiar with. There, well there's there I'll, I'll tell you why i don't like and that's because there's there, there's one that shows up on a lot of lists i'm just gonna say now just 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 don't go there because it's because it's silly and that's, that's the, the the bellevue public library um really it, okay. it has it had a reputation at one point of go oh, things happen here at night and a good friend of mine who's, who's worked on national novel novel writing month with me um, is one of the head librarians down there. And I, when I was down there talking to her about it, she said, I've worked here for 20 years. There's nothing, I haven't seen anything. No one I know has seen anything. I don't know where these stories came from. And <laughs> frankly, and if you look at the, now, I mean, there are some haunted buildings that, well, I don't care if there's a ghost here or not, there, there ought to be because this place is spooky. It's not spooky. It's the most institutional. Look at the place. We're crying out loud. It's yeah. All, you know, there's nothing. <laughs> yeah. you know, no, just so, so yeah, that, that, that's a place not to go. Uh, on the other hand, if you're, out, if you're up for a little bit of a road trip in our fair state, up by Crofton, Nebraska, uh, right, right up by the uh, by the huge dam by the South Dakota border, there's a wonderful little, oh, it depends on what, how you want to call it. I think these days they're even classifying as a bed and breakfast because it's small enough, but hmm. I, 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 would call it, I would call it a hotel, uh, the, the Argo Hotel. In downtown Crofton, and it's one of the remnants of these hotels that that were that sprang up when there was when there was a lot of uh, cattle and so forth moving through there. People would stay when they were in town for business and so forth. And it's a nice place to visit as a tourist attraction. That place has its share of ghosts. Huh. And last time I was there, the yes, that's the place. Okay, now that okay, the Bellevue Library that doesn't look haunted. That place looks haunted. That, <laughs> yep. Yeah. If, if you're going to see a ghost, that's by gum. That's where it's going to be. And the particular the particular story is. I wish I was a bit more better prepared. There's a a French actress, or no, 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 an, an, an actress who, who did some work in France, rather, uh, who who stayed there and had some some attachment to the place that they that they um, attribute at least one of the ghosts to. Um, at one time, they found when they were doing some renovation, they found. A bag of bones. Oh, uh, in one of the walls hmm. as well. Uh, I, I, I've heard the bones turned out to not be human, but I can't. I can't confirm that. So, mm-hmm. uh, so yeah. But so, but, but uh, between the actress and the bones, and and they found a portrait in the basement with some very unusual qualities. It's. I'm not sure how it's. How it's constructed? Yes, yes, yeah, exactly. Is that does that place look haunted? Does that place look haunted? It, it does. Exactly. It looks like it's got the exact look for a haunted place. It's looking like a place I want to go stay. Night. I would not want to be running around there at night. Oh, I do. Oh, I. Do. Oh, no I, 
I'm, I'm, I'm right there at, at night with a bullseye lantern. If, <laughs> perhaps not a candle because I'm a little fireophobic, but this was some was with, with some sort of retro lighting. But yeah, they have a portrait that has some unusual qualities to it. You have to look at it from this angle and the other, or some sort of process that was that was done to it. And a, and and a, and, a port, and one of these suites, they they have a suite called the French Suite that mm. features a, a picture of this of this beautiful actress who who um, had had a connection with the place back in the 19 teens and 20s. Who is pictured in the in the all together. That stitch of clothing on, um, huh. and that, that that suite also features a a bidet, which oh. I which I have some anxiety about myself. That's not. That's, that's <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that, okay, that, that, uh... that 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 place is wonderful, and they have they got some good steak up there. That is a it's it's got a great restaurant. I, I'll I'll, just, I'll endorse the the Argo Hotel in Crofton just by by its own virtues as, as a place to stay, but it it's got some ghost stories and the staff that I talked to is sincerely split about whether or not they, they, they um, it's they have some paranormal stuff going on there. Yeah. I mean, it's, it, it, it's difficult to, to critique objectively, but like I said, um, if there were such a thing as ghosts and by gum, that's like, that's a good place for them mm-hmm. right there. That that's a, that, and, and, and it's a charming place. And so it's a one, it's a wonderful trip as well. There's, there's a lot of things to see up there. Now, Stu, you've done a lot of research on ghosts. Have you ever experienced what you would call a ghost? Every, um, let's see. We well, the, the closest thing to it, I think, was probably when the fellow when the tour bus pulled up my old house and said, "Hey, your old house is on." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but, well, well, no, you know. And truth be told, if you really want to get technical, I was just I was just thinking about this the other just the other day because this just happened the other day. Um, I, um, am a notorious procrastinator, just, just horrible. I'm 51 years old and you, I still do things that you would attribute to like a 19 year old undergraduate (laughs) because, because because I I do research and I present, still present papers at conferences. And I was giving a, um, last time I was on the, on the podcast, I was talking about the paper I was presenting on Mario Bava. And as again in the tradition of a college student, I pulled an all-nighter, finishing the paper on Mario Bava. Uh-huh. That was an all-nighter, an, a, a night in advance. I, I actually yeah. got some sleep, you know, before I, before I actually gave the paper. But um, but as I was driving, you know, at, but um, I went out to grab something to eat real quick at, at like uh, five at uh, about six in the morning before the sun came up. And as I'm driving, suddenly I, I see it looks very much like um, a young man in baggy jeans and sneakers in front, you know, walking right in front of me. I'm like, holy smoke, I hit, and I um, hit the brakes. And then as I, you know, and drove a little slower, so I just don't, did not to hit someone and realized there was no one there. Hmm. That's creepy. I'm, yeah. I, now, logically. Yeah. These sort of things happen when you pull all nighters. You start you your 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 brain makes connections yeah. that, that, yeah. that weren't there, and and, and I remember, I remember just just from the way the light was hitting, I was only seeing just just the sneakers and the and the jeans. I'm sure it was just my brain putting together stimuli that you know that that, that looked like 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 somebody walking. And I'm always phobic about that too, you know, because yeah. this this was a place where people do tend to be randomly walking through at five at five a.m. Right. Mm-hmm. It's that whole pareidolia thing, right? Where the, exactly. where the mind 
takes stimulus and tries to make sense of it and make an image out of it. You know, if you look at like a stare at a staticky TV screen long enough, you might see a face in there or, you know, you look at a distant image of Mars or something and you see a face on the mm-hmm. laying on the landscape, right? Cause your mind is trying to take that random stimulus and, and make something familiar out of it. And, you know, we're mostly familiar with other humans. So that's what we try to, that's yep. what we try to, yep. our brain tries to make sense of it in that, that respect. Exactly. Yeah, especially if you're expecting to see someone, or in my case, is you're afraid of seeing somebody. You're always that's that's like the worst fear you just have is oh my goodness, you yeah. know, somebody's walking in front of me and I ran him over. I didn't even see him. Wasn't even looking at him. Sure, I shouldn't have been on the road. I was you know you know had it you know over a night. It's been over 24 hours since I slept. Yada yada. So yeah, that's that's I've had experiences like that. You know, where I like yeah. I'll see something out of the corner of my eye, and if I were more more open minded toward that toward that sort of thing, I might be more, more inclined to think that's something else. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, b- before we, before we get going, uh, speaking again of, of the tourism we have in the state and the sites you might, you might go to, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll hardly endorse the Argo in, in Croft because the, the, the food is yes. wonderful and it's absolutely all the atmosphere in the world. And yes, yes, yes. Linda, if you want to, if you want to tempt fate and go for the ghost, that's a great place for it. Go for it. hundred <laughs> percent. And, 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 and I'll, I'll, Endorse Brother Sebastian until the cows come home. Right. All right. Well, I'll uh, I'll extend the same question then to uh, Chris and then Charles. So, Chris, um, have you ever experienced anything you would consider to be a ghost? Uh, I have not, and that could be because I make effort subconsciously or not to just avoid going to places where I'd probably come across a ghost. <laughs> so, wow. Okay. All right. So you're not big into haunted houses. Uh, I've gone uh, for the entertainment factor, but not okay. to some of the more legitimate ones. Okay. You know. <laughs> right. All right. All right. Well, Charles. Oh, no, just, just, just <laughs> piggyback on, on what Chris said before Charles responds. Uh-huh. That that really is part of the the appeal of the Velisca House too. Though I mean, you if you don't if you say the heck with the ghost because when, when I went the second time, I said you know the the ghost thing doesn't really appeal to me, and the right. one running it was the the widow of the fellow who showed me the first time, and she said. Oh well, if you're in the history, you know we've got plenty of the history over here. But they show me the books. And she said, but I've learned that unfortunately the ghosts are what sells. Yeah, uh, yeah, sure. Yeah, I'd be yeah, I'd be more inclined on the history aspect of it. Yep. Mm-hmm. yep. All right, Charles. <laughs> no, I see. I grew up in an older house, or, or or what would be wooden floors. Yeah, and um, the heating system was uh, the. Uh, pumped water right mm-hmm. yep so so radiators. at night yeah yeah so with radiators yeah so at night there were Locking there'd noises. be footsteps coming up and down the stairs and they'd run around and the hallway was circular um so it, it would they would go around in a circle and go back down the stairs you know and it would happen every 20 minutes or something huh. And it'd just be the expansion contraction of the wood floor. Yeah, but it was just so I I just kind of grew up with that. That's yeah, as a normal <laughs> and, thing. And, and actually, my parents got a deal in the house because the prior owners thought it was haunted. No, oh, wow. And so <laughs> that always helps. Well, and it was by the, the wood. Well, so I I have kind of a different sensibility to to certain like. Uh, even even where I'm living now, you know, if the backyard's sort sort of rural, right? Yeah. 
And if when I've had friends spend the night, it'll freak them out. But to me, it feels that's just how it is. It's normal. It's, so I don't mind being in the woods. I don't mind the old wooden floors and the creaking. Yeah. But on the same on the same notion, though, you don't oh. keep an axe on hand. <laughs> well, I was wondering about that. I do not believe I own an axe. <laughs> <laughs> the, the house I grew up in, I'm sure, had a. Like I said, it's different. You know, there's in Washington State, so we had all sorts of machetes and axes, and yeah, um, we did. It, we did at my folks' house. I know they had uh, machetes, sickles, axes, pretty much every implement of destruction you can think of. And uh, <laughs> I remember uh, a number of uh, arguments with my siblings over those uh, implements. Um, <laughs> one that almost cut my hand off one time. Yikes. Not an yeah. argument you want to get into when you're on the wrong end, wrong end of a sickle. Well, see, and my parents have a portrait of me. There was one of those, you know, it's a Sears Dealey or something, but they, it's a portrait where they did, I think they, they, they brushed some, um, uh, whatever sealer over to make it look like a painting a little bit. Oh, yeah. And, um, so I guess <laughs> it's been it's been a long time, but if when the light hits it right, my eyes my eyes will look in a different direction. Just because, but, but if you look close, I remember looking close as a kid, and it's you know it's because there's there's basically brush strokes of uh, a clear barathane mm. uh, there. Uh, <laughs> so I there, there's actually a haunted photo of me someplace. <laughs> I thought you were going to say the photo aged now and you don't yeah yeah <laughs> we'll see that could be that could be everything yeah my door in gray right, right, right. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah if only well the problem is is that'd be nice if i if i didn't age too right right but if it, if it turns out we're both aging that's just what's uh, kind of that? pointless at that point <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, uh, Stu, I think uh, we're coming up on an hour here. Anything uh, you want to wrap us up with? Any good takeaway story? This this particular podcast, uh, Larry, shortly before before Halloween there. So, yes, well, um, not as spooky, perhaps, but the other thing you might want to check out in Nebraska, and this, it's sort of, I'm still trying to kind of wrap my head around this, but I, I hope I have not mentioned this on previous podcasts, but there is a museum in Hastings, Nebraska that I came upon quite accidentally dedicated to Bigfoot. Really? Yes. Uh, and they have chronicled various and sundry Bigfoot sightings in Nebraska. Exactly where the hell Bigfoot is supposed to hide in Nebraska. <laughs> oh, it's so... It's, uh, yeah, I mean, yeah. there are portions of the state where you can watch your dog run away for three days and your yeah. <laughs> biped is supposed to be able to, to hide uh, out. Escape. But but apparently that's the case. They have any number of, of uh, artifacts. They have, yeah, you're, you're used to seeing Bigfoot footprints. These folks took the opposite route. They have Bigfoot handprints. Handprints. <laughs> <laughs> I'm course. not joking. I swear to God, I wish I was joking. <laughs> um, yeah, yes, yeah, that's, that's the oh, best place. Uh, it's it, it's this lady's uh, house, and she's they built onto it, and it's like half of it's her house, and half of it's the Bigfoot Museum, and they have a little <laughs> outside where it's, it's also part of the Bigfoot Museum, and they're, huh. they're pretty serious about it. They have 
Uh, they've reconstructed this little Bigfoot cave that someone founded with, with little Bigfoot belongings in it, uh, which was de various detritus. And the little Bigfoot almost sounds like a movie title. Well, <laughs> no, speaking of movie titles, the darndest thing, the one, the major takeaway that I, that I, <laughs> that I got from the Bigfoot Museum was that Bigfoot has a habit of, um, braiding the tails of horses that are allowed to run in bigfoot land huh so yes. <laughs> yes ladies and gentlemen my inescapable conclusion is that bigfoot is a brony a brony <laughs> <laughs> yes wasn't there, wasn't there some sort of creature in children of the corn it's been too long for me what I've never know. seen the film. I oh, know. well, <laughs> you none of you see. Okay. Well, so we need to it, check it out. Is what you're saying? I'm saying that's if you're going to be talking about, uh, I don't know about ghosts, but horror, horror type of things hiding in the corn in the, in Nebraska. Yeah, Children of the Corn is one of the must sees. Yes, yeah, you're, oh, yeah. You're, you're obviously right about that. Yeah. <laughs> It, it seems to me like there was a demon creature, but it's been it's been twenty something years, so uh, never mind. But I was just wondering because to me, Bigfoot's got to be a cover for something else. <laughs> That's because that is so silly, and, and you know I'm from Washington State originally, so Bigfoot out here is just a uh, appalling. It's appalling that they'd even try that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, even yeah. worse if the governor out here would have a bigfoot day but um well, yeah 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 yeah, big, yeah and, oh yes and which which they did you're right charles yes they yeah did. yeah just bigfoot oh day. anything would be annoying wow. and <laughs> so i just so to try to latch on to that's just so silly that i have to think it's to me it's got to be there might be something real to it but it's got to be covering up for something else I think it's just yeah. Like like if 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 you if you're looking for Bigfoot out here, you should expect some Area 51 kind of shit or something. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. People had some weird hobbies. Somebody snapped a picture of a of a Bigfoot walking on the interstate, well, like by Brady, Nebraska, or something like that. I and I, I I'm inclined to think that picture is actually real, and there maybe was some idiot out walking around in a in, in, in an in, outfit in, in, in an outfit at on the interstate in Brady, Nebraska. I hope they is I, when I see these things. Maybe one of those crazy ghillie suits or whatever they call them. Exactly like that. Oh, yeah. Right. Yeah. Well, and I, I really think. I mean, that you're just asking for it. I mean, if you want to get hit by a car. Yeah. Oh, sure, but we have we have enough comic cons and stuff here in Omaha, and so you, you'd expect something eventually. Out in yeah. uh, Elkhorn, just uh, a few miles from Omaha, here the the Air Force had a high frequency antenna array system that they would use to communicate with planes all around the world. And um, you drive by it and you just see these arrays of gigantic, you know, block spanning antennas, you know, strung out. And uh, a guy I worked with and I, one year for Halloween, our, our office, we always had these Halloween contests every year, competitions for each different department. So one year we decided to do all aliens. And so we'd ordered these masks with these big alien eyes and these big robes, you know, and hands and everything. We had the whole outfit there. And uh, 
I, I, I told uh, Keith was the guy's name. And I said, I said, you know what, Keith, we ought to get these and walk down that road next to those giant antenna arrays. I mean, that's got to get some coverage. <laughs> and Keith goes, yeah, or some bullets. <laughs> <laughs> it is Air Force property. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. Well, we wouldn't have actually crossed onto the, the property, but just walking down because it was a, I think it was a gravel road that, that led up to the entrance to the place. So, you know, walking down that in an alien outfit and some farmer drives by in his pickup with a shotgun or a rifle handy, you might've been picking some buckshot out of your <laughs> costume. Has, has anyone heard about the, the story about the ninja who attacked the Green Berets out West? what oh yes that's just recently in the news wasn't it yeah just a few days ago somebody yeah i don't know if they were green berets but they were like special ops folks who were doing some airborne training out in one of the western states and yeah what was that nevada something like that yeah i don't i didn't really i saw the headline and i didn't i, I looked at the headline and I, oh you've got to be kidding me and i just <laughs> i didn't take time yeah, to read the whole story apparently I, u.s special I, I operations soldiers Attacked by ninja in California. <laughs> yeah, this guy, guy went out for a smoke and this and this ninja comes up to him and said, "You know where my family is?" And here's this poor sergeant standing there, like, "I no, I don't know where your family is." And oh my god, the guy, the guy is swinging his katana and he's trying to run. He's running away from this ninja. <laughs> he's bailing over this fence. He's got. He's not armed. I mean, that's what people don't. Yeah. Realize, a lot of people don't realize about about people in the armed forces, unless you're actually doing something that was going to require you to shoot, you, you as a rule, are not armed. You don't right, right. Mm -hmm. So he, he, he bails over this fence. <laughs> I think the report was he ended up injuring two people, this sergeant, some captain someplace. And finally, like, as one sensibly would do, they called the cops on him. And the cops ran him down. They tased him. That didn't work. No, no, no. That, that's right. They fired a, they set a projectile. It must be a beanbag at him. That didn't, that didn't do anything. And so they finally tased him and brought him down. They've, they've identified him. It's just, 35 year old guy named carlos what what, what what's the name chris did you, did you see that? uh i'm still name? going through it yeah this is a pretty okay. interesting uh <laughs> it's all bizarre yeah yeah if you think ghost stories are weird just read the regular news oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah what the yeah, exactly. That's the yeah. That, that, that's why I don't really need ghost stories that much. I mean, you. Can find, <laughs> yeah. I mean, it, it, it's the idea that someone really thinks there are numerous big feet in Nebraska. <laughs> Gino Rivera, thirty-five years old. Yeah, that the, huh. the idea that someone thinks that is actually weirder than actually than big feet existing in Nebraska. Oh. Right. Boy, right. did they give him a the book of charges? <laughs> homicide, <laughs> assault with a deadly weapon, brandishing a weapon. Brandishing a weapon with the intent to resist or prevent an arrest, along wow. with vandalism and instructing or delaying a peace officer in the performance of their duties. <laughs> I mean, they they threw the book at this guy. No, <laughs> those, are, those, are probably, those are probably just the state charges. When the feds get yeah. this guy was tagging our army folks. He's gonna he's he's gonna be <laughs> yeah, not good, not in a good place. No, well, crazy. He should be put somewhere where he. Uh... Can get the help he needs and yeah. people can be safe from him. Right. <laughs> so, well, listen, Stu, it's been a great conversation as always. Thanks for your insight into a lot of these stories. And uh, we always appreciate you having you on the show. And uh, we'll definitely have to have you back on again soon. So we can talk. I'm sure there's plenty more stories out there that we could 
um, spend some few hours yeah. on. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, cool. Well, thank you all. And thank you all for tuning in for another episode of Galactic Driftwood Podcast. Be sure to check us out, galacticdriftwood.space. Um, we're available on YouTube and also on your favorite podcasting service. And uh, check out um, our uh, partner podcasters on synergynation.net as well. And uh, with that, we'll bid you all adieu. Thanks again, Stu. See you all. Later. Bye-bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Galactic Driftwood Podcast. For more information and past episodes, please visit our website at galacticdriftwood.space or subscribe to us on YouTube. And now, please deactivate your cranial downlinks, collect your towels, and be sure to watch your step as you exit our gravity well.